Hello and welcome to another episode of today's Health Digest. Our topic today is weight loss. This is a video that I came across on the websites of a couple of dozen weight loss clinics across the country. And it looks like a, a newscast. Daniel Gilbert covers the business of medicine for The Post. He's talking about this video he started to see all over the place. Last year, the FDA approved the first new class of weight loss medications in over eight years. And what a stir it's caused. In this video, a woman styled like a TV news anchor is sitting behind a desk. Her guest is a man identified only as Dr. Kevin. But she's not a news anchor, and Dr. Kevin's past as a physician is a bit controversial. Daniel has been looking into the boom of weight loss drugs like Ozempic and Wegovy. These drugs have become so popular that Novo Nordisk, the manufacturer who makes them, has racked up billions of dollars in sales. By declaring there was a shortage of Wegovy in March 2022, the FDA opened the door for pharmacies to mix up their own, cheaper versions of the popular drugs using the same active ingredient, semaglutide. So I understand this medicine is a custom-blended prescription drug, and the treatment is tailor-made for each patient's needs. You take it once a week. The subject of this interview that we just listened to is actually not about Ozempic or Wegovy. It's about versions of those FDA-approved drugs that are made by compounding pharmacies. We've been able to bottle that up. It's like a gastric bypass in a bottle, really. Uh, When I started seeing companies pitching these affordable weight loss versions, I got real curious. Daniel knew that some of these websites were hawking off-brand versions of Ozempic to people. And that's actually allowed by the FDA if they're made by licensed compounding pharmacies and follow certain requirements. But other websites are selling research chemicals, and the FDA really discourages that. That left me with all these other questions, uh, such as how are compounding pharmacies allowed to do this, to make copies of a drug that another company has patented, for instance? Um, Where are they getting the raw ingredient to do so? How does all this work? Those questions would lead Daniel to this whole entire ecosystem, the wild west of compound weight loss drugs. And yeah, four days later, I got a package in the mail. This is a bubble wrap package. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Ava Patrai, your guest host today. It's Monday, October 16th. Today the new cottage industry that sprung up to meet the huge demand for injectable weight loss compounds. As Daniel found, the market has really flourished online, where there's little regulation or oversight, and people don't always know what they're getting. Daniel spoke to my colleague Rachel Siegel, and he started by explaining what these drugs, Ozempic and Wegovy, actually are and what they do. So uh, Wegovy is one of these new medications. Its pharmacological cousin, Ozempic, is probably the better Mm -hmm. known of the two. Mm -hmm. They've got the same active ingredient, and they are drugs that have shown a really profound effect for helping people lose weight. And that wasn't the original purpose that Ozempic was 
developed for. It was developed as a diabetes drug and is a very effective diabetes drug. These are drugs that help um, people control their their blood sugar, but they also have the effect of slowing the, the stomach from emptying and suppressing appetite that's turned out to be very, very effective for helping people mm-hmm. lose weight and, and keep the weight off as long as they are on the medication. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So these are injectable medications that people take once a week. I see. So what exactly are these compound pharmacies doing on their own then, and is that legal? So compounding pharmacies you can think of as like the custom tailors of the pharmaceutical mm-hmm. world. Um, they're specialized pharmacies, and their purpose is to customize medication, prescription medications for people who, for some reason, can't take, say, an FDA-approved version. Mm-hmm. They you know, might be allergic to an ingredient, or maybe they can't swallow a pill and need a different formulation. Well, the compounding pharmacies will then modify mm. those prescriptions to accommodate them. I see. And do they have oversight when they go about that, or are they left to make those own decisions for themselves? They have oversight in the sense that they are licensed. So they are subject to inspections, to people coming through their doors and checking the quality of their conditions and sterility and their procedures to make sure that they're producing drugs in a a safe way. Mm. What compounding pharmacies are doing right now with, with these weight loss medications is different than their historical... Roots and and purpose. Mm -hmm. Because another thing that compounding pharmacies are allowed to do is that when the FDA declares that there is a shortage of a drug that is approved, Mm -hmm. not saying that no one can get it, but saying that there is more demand for a drug than the manufacturer that drug is able to supply, Mm -hmm. they put it on a list of drugs in shortage. And then the FDA would allow compounding pharmacies to basically make a, a copy hmm. of those drugs that are in shortage as long to try and boost the supply. Right. To try to try to fill the gap. Subject to certain requirements. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they have to be using the same active ingredient that's in the FDA approved drug. They have to be getting that active ingredient from FDA registered facilities. But that is the way in which compounding pharmacies have emerged as sort of this crucial cog in this uh, emerging business Mm -hmm. of people making these off-brown versions of Ozempic and and Wegovy. Mm -hmm. So you talked to people who went to some of these pharmacies for the weight loss drugs that they were seeking out. What did you learn about why they went there in the first place and if it turned out to be what they were looking for? In talking with people, uh, there's like quite a vocal community uh, of people who use compounded weight loss medications Mm -hmm. on social media, and they're quite open about their experiences, and many of them are very positive. I was introduced to the medication last June, and it's been basically just kind of like a downhill on the scale since then. This is Ashley Dunham. She lives in... Uh, Jacksonville, Florida, and she was one of the people I connected with to talk about her experience using compounded semaglutide. 
I just decided to go the compounding route and it has been so much easier than a lot of my colleagues and friends that I know who are on the medication who are having a hard time consistently getting their medication and then also, you know, jumping through the hoops of getting their insurance to actually cover the medication. The bigger picture here for as incredibly effective as drugs like Ozempic and Wegovy and Manjaro have proved to be for weight loss, one point of tension is the price. Mm-hmm. Insurance companies often do not cover drugs for weight loss. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a historical thing that they have categorized those as lifestyle drugs mm-hmm. rather than drugs to treat uh, disease. And so many health plans don't really cover those, which could make them very quite expensive. expensive for people. Yeah. And manufacturers originally had some rebates that made them affordable when they first rolled out, but they've since uh, really scaled back mm-hmm. on on those rebates. And so list price for Ozempic is, you know, around $900 a month. Wow. And as a result, um, there is this real attraction to being able to get something that they believe to be equivalence. Mm-hmm from a compounding pharmacy. And so that makes it accessible to them. I was like, yeah, I don't feel like paying $1,200 a month because that's the cost of out of pocket without insurance coverage is like $1,200 to $1,600 a month. My my options of, you know, something like $300 to $350 a month versus $1,200 to $1,600 a month, it was really a no-brainer um, to go the compounding route. Are there any hazards that come with that if you have hundreds of pharmacies, thousands of pharmacies that are able to do this for a drug that's super in demand or a version of that drug, did you come across any sort of issues or question marks attached to that kind of process? Well, the FDA's view on this is that there are risks kind of inherent Mm -hmm. in the compounding system. And the way the FDA looks at it, a compounded drug is inherently less safe mm-hmm. than something that the FDA has reviewed from beginning to end and validated the manufacturing process, the entire chain of production, and says, okay, this has a stamp of approval. This is a safe drug. Mm-hmm. A compounded drug goes through a different process. And so there are different points along the way that there could be risk that's introduced into the system, whether it's the raw ingredient that the compounding pharmacies are using, the shipping of that ingredient, maybe it's repackaged, the conditions of that, the conditions of each individual compounding pharmacy. Mm -hmm. There are quite a few of them, Mm -hmm. and they're probably not all of equal quality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How does someone get access to this drug if they want it, or the version of these drugs from the compound pharmacies? Well, as it turns out, there are multiple ways, but the conventional way is through a healthcare professional, through mm-hmm. a doctor or a nurse practitioner that you would go to and get a prescription. And that could be something like uh, an Ozempic pen, or it could possibly come from a compounding pharmacy. The unconventional process is you don't go through huh. a doctor or a nurse practitioner Mm -hmm. who would order this from a compounding pharmacy. There are these websites, numerous websites, that sell these weight loss medications or medications that they describe as weight loss medications on their websites. They they can just put up a website and say this is true. There are, yeah, exactly. There are like 
dozens of websites out there that uh, sell semaglutide, the active ingredient in Ozempic, and we go over your terzepatide, the active ingredient in Manjaro, and you see these all over the place. And so what these websites are doing is they are basically going around the typical process of having a doctor prescribe it and getting it from a pharmacy, and they're just selling it directly to people who put in their credit card information. <laughs> so similar to buying anything else online, like the way you would buy toothpaste on a website you click, you could do the same on one of these websites just by putting in your credit card information. You don't have to go through a doctor. And that's exactly what I did. After the break, what Daniel got in the mail and how the proliferation of websites selling semaglutide has introduced another layer of risk and even less regulation. We'll be right back. Before the break, we heard that Daniel was able to order a weight loss compound online, and we wanted to know how he even started that process. One of the challenges was, which website do you pick? How did you pick one? Well, I mean, I, I and how many did you sift through? A couple dozen. Um, wow. I think they're more like more more than two dozen websites that I sifted through. So I found one website um, called Paradigm Peptides. And they offered a little file of semaglutide for 90 bucks. It's a website. It's got different products, very various things that you can order, peptides, um, different compounds, and they'll like, appear as like, little vials, and they'll have some description of, of what it is, what it's used for. Um, for the semaglutide, it said it's you know, used for diabetes and weight loss. And if you scroll down a little bit, um, it also said that it's not for human consumption. Huh. Okay. And you put in your credit card information. I did. And it came in the mail. And yeah, four days later, uh, I got a package in the mail. This is a bubble wrap package. That's that, it. Uh, and so open it up. Describe <laughs> a little bit what it looks like here. Got uh, a fragile sticker on the top of it, it looks like. Yeah, it looks fragile. This is like a little, little glass file. It's about the size of my fingertip. And inside this file are like um, some clumps of yeah, it looks a little clumpy. chalky, chalk yeah, clumpy, yeah, chalky. chalky, white chalk-like crystal or powder. And that's it. It that's didn't come it. with instructions or like other things to be sure you're careful of with this medication that came to you straight from a website. No, the only thing I got was this invoice, um, a receipt, but. Some days after I ordered, I got what looked like a automated email from Paradigm Peptides, the company that sold this to me. And it was an invitation to review the product for the website. And then at the bottom of the email, it said something to the effect of customers who ordered this product also ordered. And among those items was bacteriostatic water, I guess a sterile water. There's a solution that you or you can dissolve a powder into a solution, and then insulin syringes, wow. which you can use to inject. Right. So it appeared from, you know, I, I assume the metrics that the company itself was collecting that customers were kind of ordering these things In bundles. together. Yeah, yeah. So, Daniel, I mean... Are there red flags for you in this process that you were able to do, even if you were doing it 
for journalism. You're not taking the medication. Just the fact that you were able to do it in the first place, does that stand out to you at all? Yes. I mean, the ability to order it just, of course, in and of itself is kind of a, oh, wow. Wild. Really do this. This website also has a couple of pages just in general describing semaglutide and terzapatide and the effect that they have on diabetes and weight loss that are separate from the pages where you can order them. But it's sort of interesting that they have that up there when they're presumably just selling this stuff for research laboratory use. What do the entrepreneurs and industry folks rushing into the space selling these compounds saying about what they're doing to make sure people stay safe or that their products are safe in the first place? Well, they kind of say two things. If you look at their websites, a lot of them kind of look like they are advertising the products to people, Mm -hmm. talking about the various health benefits that they have for people with these disclaimers that say, oh, by the way, this is not for human use or not for human consumption (laughs) or for only for professionals to use in laboratories. Both at the same time. It's often hard to find who exactly owns and operates these websites. And so I spent some time looking through state corporation records and internet registries and social media to to try to find someone to contact to ask about um, these products. And so for Paradigm Peptides, I I found a a record that indicated – who uh, the manager was who had incorporated it. And so I gave him a call. As soon as I said what I was writing about, he just jumped right in and said, oh, well, we're going to be removing those products from what? our website. People are buying them for a purpose that that is not intended. And so it was a very brief conversation, um, but ours... After we finished talking, those web pages were oh offline. Oh, my gosh. The, the semaglutide page that I'd used to order this little that vial of semaglutide right is no longer alive. So happened quite quickly. Whoa. Found another, another person who was associated with this website called Peptides of America uh, named Damon Van. And I, I called a number that I saw listed for him, and he picked up. <laughs> okay, are you there? Yes, sir. I was maybe half expecting to hear sort of the, those two points or at least the, the caveats that, you know, this is just for laboratory use mm-hmm. or something, something to that effect. But when I asked him who is the customer for these products, these research-only products, uh, his, his answer was... Well, mainly women. I would say 80% women. I mean, he sort of skipped the question of, like, whether it's for humans or not and went straight to, like, the demographic (laughs) detail. And so I thought, okay, well, then let me ask you about all the disclaimers for, you know, not for human use, Mm -hmm. for laboratory use. These are laboratory chemicals. Like, what about that? It's a gray area, I suppose. It's because they're called research peptides. Uh, But it's for everybody, I guess, to decide what that determines. Um, but it's completely safe and we just take it from there. And do you think that there's any difference between like the the quality of of this product versus something that is designated for human use? 
I do not believe that there's any difference, but I'm not a scientist. Right. Um, he's not a scientist. He runs a construction company. Huh. And has had a medical supply business, he said before. And so he, uh, he feels that this is the kind of thing that people can come to on their own. He feels like this is a, a, a has a high purity um, based on like the laboratory certificates he gets. And so he kind of leaves that up to people to decide for themselves. Mm. Is there oversight for what these sites are doing? Is there any sort of check on them, either for the safety of consumers or this medical process that seems to go around a lot of the rest of the industry? Well, definitely not in the same way that there is for, say, a compounding pharmacy. Mm -hmm. Like, There's not a pharmacy where FDA inspectors or inspectors for a state pharmacy board are coming through to look at the circumstances under which these compounds are produced. Uh, the FDA has taken some action against companies that market what they call new unapproved drugs. Mm. Um, sometimes they've been these research-only chemicals, but that are being marketed to people, and so they have prosecuted some cases uh, against people and, and companies doing that kind of work. Mm -hmm. In your reporting, did you come across harm that had been caused by these off-brand drugs or things happening to people that were not what they were hoping to have happen when they took them? No, which isn't to say it isn't out there, mm -hmm. but it's not something that I uh, heard from anyone directly. Mm -hmm. And even the FDA, which has published this warning about compounded semaglutide saying it's you may not be getting exactly what goes into the FDA approved drugs and recommending that people just um, you know order the, the the approved versions if that is possible but even the FDA's data doesn't really suggest that there's something some sort of widespread harm Daniel do you just see this industry continuing to Swell. I mean, if it doesn't seem like there is an immediate check coming or even pullback from consumers, what do you see happening to these websites or pharmacies from here on out? It's hard to know. Um, on the one hand, it's fascinating to me <laughs> that there is this entire industry that has emerged so quickly that is built on the ability of compounding pharmacies to make copies of these FDA-approved drugs, which is supposed to be temporary, right, mm -hmm. as we were discussing. Mm -hmm. To fill, like, a very specific supply issue. Yeah. Right. But in this case, Wegovi was put on FDA shortage list in March of 2022, and, and Ozempic, you know, uh, August of 2022. So it's been more than a year mm. since they've been on this shortage list. And the CEO of Nova Nordis was saying that it could be some years before mm. they fully accommodate all of the demand that there is. And so certainly some of the people who are in this business see this as not a temporary mm -hmm. thing. They see this as a long-term mm -hmm. business opportunity. Whether it is or not, this is sort of up to the whim of the FDA uh, almost in the sense that they could – one day just take it off their shortage list and then 
compounding pharmacies could make it. I know it can be difficult to give advice about this process, but just based on your experience ordering this drug and seeing how these websites operate, did you come away with sort of a gut feeling for others so that there are ways that people can avoid harmful products or things that didn't go through a rigorous safety process that you would just flag for people? Well, um, I can say that I won't be (laughs) dissolving this and using a syringe to inject it into myself, particularly after the um, Paradigm Peptides manager um, took it upon himself to take these off the website. From his site. So, yeah, it doesn't really inspire my confidence in in those products. Uh, And it'll be interesting to see if the FDA steps in Mm -hmm. and does something as these types of websites proliferate. You know, Novo Nordisk is also like, they're raking in a lot of money, but they're also not really thrilled with the way that Semagotide Mm -hmm. has taken on a second life in compounding pharmacies and has emerged as this off-brand, cheaper alternative Mm -hmm. to this product that they have invested so much to develop and have patented. So they have sued some clinics and some pharmacies, and it'll kind of be interesting to see what comes of that. At the moment, doesn't really seem to be deterring a lot of people that I I talk to who are Mm -hmm. in this business. Daniel, thank you so much for sharing your reporting with us. Thank you, Rachel. Daniel Gilbert covers the business of medicine for The Post. He spoke to my colleague, Rachel Siegel. That's it for today's show. Thank you for listening. Today's episode was produced by Emma Talkoff. It was mixed by Sean Carter and edited by Maggie Penman. If you haven't already, subscribe to the new podcast from our host, Martine Powers. It's called The Empty Grave of Comrade Bishop, and you can find it wherever you're listening to this podcast. I'm Abba Batrai. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.